Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. On Shark Week, the podcast from Discovery Channel, separate shark fact from shark fiction. Could you combine a shark and a human? Does the megalodon have ancestors alive now? With the help of experts in the field, uncover the scientific explanation behind these shark tales. Listen to Shark Week, the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch Shark Week starting July 7th on Discovery and Max. I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa, so sweatpants, sweatshirt. Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to jonji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at jonji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I dot com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. Hey, this is Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie. A few weeks ago, I was sitting on a bus outside of the gates of a military base in New Mexico. It was hot. The air conditioning was roaring. While we are on the range and we are driving, there's no photography, videography, audio recordings of any kind. That was our handler, Jen Jett. And this place is the White Sands Missile Range. It has hypersonic missiles, military secrets we aren't allowed to know about, and also African antelope? Chances are we're going to see uh, oryx. Oryx were introduced by wildlife officials in New Mexico in the 1960s for trophy hunting. Now they roam wild out on this active bombing range. But we weren't there to see oryx. We were there to see a monument. All right, so we just stepped out of the bus and kind of near a fenced area with barbed wire, a little hut, and then a classic yellow sign that says, Caution, Radioactive Materials. And there's a gravel road leading towards the Trinity site. Trinity. It's the code name for one of the most consequential moments in history. The place where, on July 16, 1945, the first atomic bomb was tested. They only opened the site to civilians a couple days a year. And once we finally got there, I was allowed to record. So we're walking up to the fence line. It's completely fenced off, and I'm curious as to whether we're actually going to be able to get right in. For such a huge, world-changing event, the Trinity site is pretty underwhelming. There's a shallow crater and an eerie obelisk made of black volcanic rock. There's a fence line, and on the fence line are pictures 
kind of going through a timeline of the blast and this kind of sphere erupting from the ground and creating that classic mushroom cloud. And then behind you see clear blue skies. You feel a steady wind blowing towards the Tularosa Basin where thousands of people lived. I was about 35 miles away as a baby. All my family was there. My mom got cancer, my brother got cancer, my sister got cancer. When are we going to hold our government accountable for testing a nuclear device in our backyard? Today on Outside In, we are not going to focus on the invention of the bomb, or the scientists behind it, or that Oppenheimer movie that just came out. Instead, we are looking at a hidden chapter of this story. A community in New Mexico where the ash from the bomb fell for days and cattle turned white. A place where people died, and to this day, the U.S. government has done very little about it. Stay tuned. So we're at the Pino Gate here. I'm just going to come out with you and sure. get some sound of you opening the gate. That's Paul Pino. We had just pulled into his family's modest ranch, a 10-minute drive from his hometown of Carrizozo. It's a dusty, sun-blasted crossroads of a place in central New Mexico, about 40 miles due east of the Trinity site. Did you notice there's tumbleweed stuck in your, in your bumper? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this uh, this rental car from California could use a little <laughs> bit of tumbleweed and gravel roads. Build some character. Exactly. Paul is 68 years old. He was wearing a white cowboy hat and a Canadian tuxedo. Denim shirt, blue jeans, sneakers. He's got a second career as a musician, but he grew up on this ranch. It's been in his family since 1892. So this is all really good grassland, like the land behind us. Man, it was the best grassland I ever saw. And this used to be in our family, too. Just beautiful grama grass. There's also this grass, they call it sacaton, or, and the, another word for it was cariso, and that's what the where Carrizozo got its name was carisoso, like a place where there's a lot of this kind of grass, cariso. You see, it's that real reedy, tough grass. And like I was telling you, everything around here is tough. New Mexico is beautiful, but it can also be unforgiving. Paul's dad was struck by lightning. His family would dodge rattlesnakes and flash floods, driving cattle 10 miles a day on foot. The cicadas are so loud here that they sound like saw blades. But yeah, as a, as a kid, even, even the, the grass would cut you. I remember I was, we were walking up that mountain one time and I was about three or four. And there was a really pretty piece of grass. And I said, wow, how pretty. And I grabbed it and I pulled it like that. And it just cut me like a razor blade. <laughs> As you said, this is a tough place. Yeah. And so the people and the animals and stuff that, that, that have lived here for this long are tough. You know, and, and for some of them, nothing could kill them but radiation. It was the early morning of July 16, 1945. Scientists and military personnel were wearing thick welding goggles to protect their eyes. They were hunkered in bunkers three miles away from the gadget. That was the code name for the atomic bomb. 
It was sitting atop a tower about 100 feet above the ground in a sparse valley of New Mexico, known as the Jornada de Muerto, the dead man's journey. It was the middle of monsoon season, and it had been pouring rain and windy all night. The air was alive with the sound of desert toads chirping. When the skies finally cleared, everyone hunkered down. And within a fraction of a second, the world changed. Here's J. Robert Oppenheimer, the lead scientist for the project, in an interview years later. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. I remembered the line from the Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. suppose we all thought that one way or another. Oh, some people thought it was the end of the world. And they started praying like crazy, you know, to Santa Rita or whoever, because they thought the sun's coming up on the wrong side of the world. The bomb had detonated at precisely 5.29 a.m. The light was seen as far away as El Paso, Texas, some 130 miles to the south. Paul Pino's family ranch outside of Carrizozo was only about a quarter of that distance away. They said it lit up everything, not just for a short while, but it lit up the valley just like daylight like this. The mushroom cloud launched seven miles into the sky, the height of a massive thunderhead. And New Mexico has notoriously unpredictable weather. I mean, there's a restaurant in Carrizozo called the Four Winds for a reason. The breezes are always shifting directions. Paul has heard stories of children playing in radioactive ash as it fell. They said, wow, it's snowing in July. They were catching the flakes on their, what they thought were flakes on their tongue and rubbing it on their face and stuff like that. Um, Boys were trying to make snowballs out of it, so there must have been a lot of it. Government reports back this up. Cattle were found in the vicinity with burns and hair loss on their backs. Ranchers reported a white film on the ground, like snow. Scientists knew the bomb would produce radiation, but how much, they weren't sure. So the military stationed teams in nearby towns to test the air. They used portable Geiger counters, which, if you've ever seen any nuclear disaster movie, you'll know what they are. These teams found high levels of radioactivity more than 100 miles from the blast site. In Carrizozo, it was literally off the charts. The Geiger counters didn't go any higher. Scientists and government officials discussed evacuating the town. They even had cattle trucks lined up outside the city just in case. But as the cloud of radioactive particles passed and settled, the Geiger counters calmed down. 
so they scrapped the plan and left. Officials told locals in a story fed to area newspapers that the blast was an accidental ammunition dump explosion. Not to worry. Everything would be fine. Yeah, so those mountains there, the atomic bomb was just on the other side of them. On those mountains over that way, the purple ones. Paul's mom and older brother were sleeping at the ranch when the bomb was tested. At the time, they lived in a small homesteading cabin known as a Hakal house. It's made of wooden poles and clay with a rusted tin roof. And it looks like every room is built a little bit differently. Yeah. So it seems like they'd build what they needed to get by and to start the homestead. Then they'd have a kid or two, and then they'd build another room, then have another kid, then build another room. Chicano and indigenous farmers in New Mexico have been building houses like this, relying on the land for hundreds of years. Wasn't much different in 1945. They hunted, raised cattle, grew vegetable gardens, and they drank water from cisterns. They're these big underground vases that collect rainwater from the roof during storms. Paul wanted to show me one. Let me see. We should probably take some of this heavy stuff off. Inside, it was cavernous, the size of a bedroom and the kind of place you don't want to fall into. It's narrow at the top, and then it, then it spreads out. That's it was, what it looks like. And it was all uh, cemented in. Test, one, two, check, baby, <laughs> check, baby. Tell me again, because you told me in the car, what did the yeah. water taste like? Oh, it couldn't, couldn't taste any better. It tasted like really light, really pure. Like even the water that I drink at my house in civilization, you know, around Albuquerque, you can taste like a little minerals in it or something like that. The minerals really mess up the shower heads, everything, you know, faucets. It makes your hair feel kind of kind of dirty. But 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 the rainwater tasted so good. And so your family was living here in this small home, drinking water yeah. from the cistern and eating food that was grown out here. How do you think that they they got radiation poisoning? Through the water, through the milk, through the eggs, through the chickens that they'd, that they'd slaughter and eat, the do hunting, they'd get it through the deer, the rabbits. Radiation is all around us. You're exposed to a little bit every time you get an x-ray or fly in an airplane. Every time you eat a banana, you consume a little radioactive potassium. And that's okay. Humans have adapted to live with low levels of daily exposure. A lot of radiation comes from unstable versions of elements called isotopes. Isotopes are atoms that have extra particles they can't quite handle. And every now and again, one of those particles goes flying off like a button on a pair of too tight jeans. Another way to think of it is that radiation is essentially energy. That's why acute radiation poisoning looks a lot like a horrible burn. A sunburn, in fact, is a form of ultraviolet radiation damage. But there's a difference between acute radiation exposure and radioactive contamination. The atomic bomb at Trinity was packed full of highly unstable elements. That's what made it so powerful. When the bomb went off, these unstable elements started breaking apart. This is what we call fission. 
And aside from releasing huge amounts of energy, it also started flinging new isotopes all over the place. Isotopes of plutonium, cesium, strontium, all mixing with the dust and the ash in the mushroom cloud. These isotopes from the Trinity test, they drifted down onto roofs and got washed into cisterns. They seasoned the grass that cattle ate and worked their way into the cow's mammary glands. That's not going to register very high in a Geiger counter, but if you're eating and drinking those isotopes, they're still firing off particles inside of your body. They can penetrate your organs, and if you're exposed to a large amount of radiation, they can literally mutate your DNA. And over time, years or decades, they can lead to radiogenic cancers that grow inside your stomach, your bones, your thyroid, and you'd never have any idea it was happening. And we can look at some other things in here. Yeah, they're both there, right? This photo. Uh, that's my mom and that's my brother Greg. Brother Greg's got a very yeah. good mustache. It's a <laughs> yeah. good big mustache. Kind of looks like it was taken maybe in the early 80s. Yeah, I bet. Paul's older brother Greg used to drink milk by the gallon when he was a kid at the ranch. Paul found a photo of him in his house. Do you remember when you first found out that he had, he had cancer? Yeah, they called us. And, and, and he said that, that they had detected cancer, but he says, he says, I'm in denial. And he's just like joking around. He didn't say it mean or anything like that. And I was just like, I just like laughed along with him, you know? So my family told me, my brothers and sisters, they said, uh, said, we want you to take some time off work and go out there and see how things really are. And I went out there and I saw right away, you know, I, I called him and told him, you better get out here, you know, within the the next couple of weeks. Dying through, through cancer and through suffering is a terrible thing. Two studies from the Los Alamos National Laboratory and the National Institutes of Cancer showed that there were high levels of radioactive material in the Trinity fallout zone as late as the 1980s, and that hundreds of people probably got cancer from it. Greg died from stomach cancer when he was 68 years old. Paul's mom, she died from bone cancer. His sister had multiple brain tumors. Another had thyroid cancer. They were all happened to be alive whenever the bomb was tested. Now we're approaching Santa Rita Church. This is where we'd go as kids. Paul drove us back into Carrizozo. Only about 900 people live here now. It's a lot smaller than it was back in the 1940s. The homes are mostly adobe, and the streets feel empty. Though there is a cluster of artists that recently moved here, one of their houses has a mural of a naked woman with her butt crack facing a Catholic church. Was that a choice, to have the naked butt face the church? I guess so. I think there was a crack in the wall. And they just thought that was a good idea. At first I saw it and I was offended, but then I met her and she's like so cool. That's awesome. The church, by the way, is the Santa Rita Parish. It's little and pink, 
built in a Spanish style you see throughout the Southwest. That's where we were headed. And here's Father T. Whoa. You didn't tell us we we're going to have to help you paint today. <laughs> Father T was a young guy wearing a t-shirt and painting the deck of his clergy house next door. Um, yeah, we wanted to look at, at the, those, um, the, the, the old death records. Okay. Okay, please come. He walked us inside and grabbed a big, dusty old book. Death records from 1945 and 1946. Paul gently sifted through the pages. This handwriting is beautiful in longhand Spanish, but it's not the easiest to read. He was looking for children. Domingo Chavez died at one month of age on the 24th of September, 1945. Then under him is Maria Cedillo, I know the Cedillo family too, wonderful people, died at two months of age on the 8th of October. Federal and state data show that infant deaths in New Mexico spiked by more than a third in the months after the bomb was tested. But Paul figures the number is probably even higher because back then, a lot of babies were born and died at home. Their brief lives weren't recorded. Except with the Catholics, they wanted them baptized and they, they wanted them blessed, you know, and they wanted them to have a Christian burial. So they kept better records than, than the state. Paul has been doing this kind of work, digging up the records of the dead with a grassroots group of other New Mexicans called the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium. Downwinders, as in people who literally lived downwind of the bomb. They're trying to make a case to the federal government that their communities deserve an apology and restitution. So far, that hasn't happened. After we looked at the death records, we drove out to the cemetery. It was on the edge of town, a sun-bleached field surrounded by a crumbling fence. One of the, the oldest parts of the cemetery. Sanchez. Oh, Ortiz. Nina Ortiz. Oh, she was my neighbor. They were like my best friends growing up, and even today. But a lot of them had uh, kidney cancer, and their dad witnessed the atomic bomb. He was working with the railroad, and he was laying outside on a bench in between uh, trains coming in, and he had his eyes closed, but the, the light was so bright that he saw the light through his closed eyelids. It's been more than 75 years since the world's first atomic bomb was tested in New Mexico. More than 75 years since we dropped two of those bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, killing at least 110,000 people, likely many more. Ever since then, the United States has been coming to terms with how to address that history. In 2016, Barack Obama was the first sitting president in history to visit the memorial in Hiroshima. We've made statements about those bombs. Little kids in elementary school make paper cranes to send to the peace monument there. But the United States has never really addressed the fallout from Trinity. A CDC report found that the military knew about its dangers to the people who lived nearby, but they were worried about endless lawsuits, so they brushed the whole thing under the rug. 
But over the past decade, Paul and the other downwinders have been fighting for accountability. And they don't want a memorial or a presidential visit. They want justice. If somebody harmed your family, you would never stop trying to get justice for them. If somebody killed your daughter or your mom or your brother, even if it was by accident, you wouldn't stop until you have had justice. You wouldn't stop until you had acknowledgement. You wouldn't, you wouldn't stop until they told the truth. That's after the break. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Felix, you've got Mint Mobile, right? I do. I've been using it for a couple of years now. Why'd you get it? Because it's just easy. Was it like cheaper? Or I've always seen like the Ryan Reynolds ads and I've been like... Yeah, it's it's ended up cheaper for me. Basically, I don't use a ton of data. Usually I'm at home, so I'm just using Wi-Fi. But when I'm out, yeah. like I don't watch any videos. The most I'm doing is listen to podcasts, which doesn't take a ton of data. Yeah. So Mint Mobile is just like... One of those plans where I can like set it to just, I only need like five gigs a month. And at the end of the day, I only pay 15 bucks a month for it. So it's like the uh, the cell phone plan for people who maybe don't want to spend six hours a day on the subway watching TikToks. I think though it is customizable so that you can like, if that is what you do, they have options for that. I just don't know because like, that's not me. I just like zero in on exactly what my needs are. And I'm like, oh, Mint Mobile uh, can meet my needs for this pretty cheap price. And I go for it. But yeah, I know I know they do have plans with with more data. For a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are fifteen dollars a month when you purchase a three month plan. That's like way cheaper than what I'm paying now. Just just to say. I mean, that's what I pay all the time. So. Okay, I'm kind of jealous of you. Yeah, so to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash outside in. That's mintmobile.com slash outside in. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Did you know that one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year to check it off your list with Babbel. Unlike other language learning apps, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is something I could definitely use because my French is uh, ha bon, not good. And I really want to go backpacking in Quebec this fall. Babbel can help with asking for directions, where the best coffee shop is, the best brewery. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, 
get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash outside in. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash outside in. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash outside in. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie, and I'm a huge fan of Christopher Nolan. He's the guy who directed the Batman trilogy and one of my favorite World War II movies of all time, Dunkirk. He just came out with a new movie called Oppenheimer. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. It's all about the scientist who led the development of the atomic bomb. The guy who said, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. A lot of people are planning to see this movie on the big screen. But Tina Cordova won't be one of them. Those filmmakers came here and used our tax incentives, took money out of our state to make their film, and never, ever gave consideration to our part of the history. I met Tina at her house in Albuquerque. She's the executive director of the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium. That's the group that Paul Pino is involved with. Tina says she reached out to the production company multiple times, but never heard back. And I just can't believe that the producers and the filmmakers will not at least give consideration to us and acknowledge somewhere inside of the the film or at the end of the film with a panel that basically acknowledges that human beings, (laughs) American citizens, children, were harmed in the process of the Manhattan Project and the Trinity Test. For the past 18 years, Tina's organization has been pushing to get medical help and restitution from the federal government. The way they can do that is through an amendment to the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. That was this big piece of legislation that was passed back in 1990 to help cancer patients who were impacted by nuclear tests in Nevada in the 1950s and 1960s. To assure our defense, we have to keep our atomic strength at top level by testing new ideas and principles and applying these principles in weapons. That's why we have the Nevada test site. It's sort of a backyard workshop, the most unusual scientific workshop in the world. Those tests, by the way, were massive, much bigger than Trinity. Their fallout clouds dumped huge amounts of radioactive material as far away as Idaho and Montana, and eventually spread across the country. Doctors were finding strontium-90, a cancer-causing isotope that came from those tests, in baby teeth as far away as New England. In fact, if you're a baby boomer, you can go online to a government website and find out what your risk of getting thyroid cancer from the fallout is. It's wild. But the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, it focused on people living directly downwind of the explosions in Nevada. It doesn't go far enough, and it's never gone far enough. And we're trying to expand it. If we were successful, it would add all the downwinders in the American West. It would add the people of Guam and the Pacific Islands where they went after Trinity. And then it would add the entire state of Nevada, the entire state of Utah, the entire state of Arizona. And it would add Idaho, Montana, New Mexico, and Colorado. The amendment would cover people who were alive when these bombs were built and tested from 1944 to 1962 and who have been diagnosed with one of 14 radiogenic cancers. 
It would give their families $150,000 in restitution and the patients access to free government health insurance. Tina herself grew up in the shadow of the bomb and was diagnosed with thyroid cancer when she was in her late 30s. The very first thing they asked me when they diagnosed me was, when were you exposed to radiation? Did you work in a lab with nuclear, um, with radioactive isotopes or nuclear material? Did you ever have lots of x-rays? Um, you know, and I said, no, no, no. But I lived in a community that's 45 miles away the crows fly from uh, the Trinity site. She was the fourth generation in her family to get cancer since 1945. So this is all personal for her. She's testified in front of both the Senate and House, and the amendment has been introduced 16 times in Congress, but it never passes. When you hear this history and you understand what this history means, and you remain complacent, then you're complicit in the idea that it's okay to harm people and just walk away from the harm that's done. So why hasn't this bill passed? One reason might be that it can be really hard to definitively link certain kinds of cancer to specific radiation events. It's not like asbestos, which is linked to a specific type of cancer called mesothelioma. But there may be another reason why this bill hasn't caught on. Hey, Senator, how are you? I am wonderful today. How are you doing, sir? That's New Mexico Democratic Senator Ben Ray Lujan. He's the one who sponsored the bill. He's in his early 50s, grew up in Santa Fe. His dad was a politician too, so Lujan knows how the sausage is made. And this is the pushback he says he gets on the bill. Many of my colleagues that do not support these efforts say that it's, uh, it costs too much money. It's too expensive. I mean, the amendment is expensive. The federal government estimates it would cost about $5 billion a year. But Lujan and the downwinders want people to put that into perspective. The United States spends nearly 10 times that, just maintaining our nuclear arsenal every year. What I'll tell them is go look at our constituents in the eyes and tell them that their lives or their parents' lives or kids' lives don't matter and that it's too expensive to care for them. I think there's something deeper, too. The federal government just has a kind of crappy track record of taking care of the people it has hurt or sent in danger. I mean, it took nearly two decades to get help for veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange in Vietnam, 15 years to help Iraq war veterans who worked near toxic burn pits. And then there was the fight to get compensation for 9-11 first responders. That took comedian Jon Stewart testifying on the Hill multiple times just to get the bill passed. And in all these situations, as Congress stalls, people continue to get sick and die. music because because you could uh you didn't have to play like jimmy page or something you know yeah it's yeah. folk music it's authentic it's just us people playing some music yeah you can <laughs> kind of hammer on the uh, the strings and not worry yeah. about it back at the pino ranch near carrizozo paul was sitting at the kitchen table surrounded by pictures of his family and holding a nylon guitar he wanted to play me a song written by another downwinder luisa lopez her husband ricardo is a friend of mine he helped us with the downwinders for years, and he died of cancer a couple of years ago. And so she wrote this song. And I can, I can do like two versions, a Spanish and an English. 
Aia nel rancho grande tiravan una bomba Dijeron que le hace, aquí no vive nadie, no vamos a hacer daño Comenzaron a enfermarse de cáncer y tumores Y ahora están enterrados bajo de las flores You want me to do a translation? Yeah, let's do the English version then. Okay. Out there on the Hornada, they bombed the land to hell. They said it doesn't matter, aquí no one is living, we won't cause any problems. Then we started dying from cancer y tumores. Now we are buried. This episode was written and produced by me, Nate Hedgie. It was edited by Taylor Quimby with help from Justine Paradise, Felix Poon, and Jung Yoon Han. Our executive producer is Rebecca Lavoie. Special thanks to Bernice Gutierrez for sharing her stories with me, to Atomic Reporters for helping fund this reporting trip, to the White Sands Missile Range for letting me record at Trinity, and to Shaheen Duji for helping us sort through the science of radiation. A quick note. Unfortunately, there are no surviving sound recordings of the Trinity test that we could find, so to recreate it, we used sound from another atomic bomb test, this one in Nevada, 1953. We also have a few studies about Trinity that we'll link to in the show notes. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.